Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Talk podcast. On this episode, we're going to be recapping Maryland football's season opening win over Towson, 38-6, a pretty comfortable win for Maryland in their first game of the 2023 season. I'm here, uh, Emmett Siegel, alongside Andrew Chotis. Andrew, you're back on the show. How are you feeling one day after the Terps' first game of the season? Yeah, I was a, I was a late I was a late game scratch last week for the pod, but uh, you know Maryland took care of business uh, this week against against Towson. You know their seventh straight win against the FCS opponent. Get out to a big twenty one nothing lead. Never really looked back. I think we'll touch on some of the things where they probably could have been a little a little bit better on, but they start off one and zero. They do they do what they were expected to do and what they needed to do. Absolutely, and with a game against an FCS opponent to start the season, it's hard to have too many big picture takeaways. So. We're going to, I think the best way to format this will be to look at some of the positives, some of the things that maybe stood out that they did right. And then we can transition to uh, some of the things that maybe they need to improve on as they go forward. Um, And we can start with, um, with positives, Andrew, you have the stats in front of you. Um, Who stood out to you on Saturday? Well, I think I'll kind of combine this player with just kind of how the game strike. I think Maryland gets off to a huge start right you know we said 21 nothing in the first quarter you know three drives of touchdowns and that's all led by the quarterback to Tagovailoa, right he has three touchdowns in the air one on the ground the ground touchdown 23 yards got the game started off you know he was he did everything he needed to do super efficient uh all game long before he got you know taken out uh late in the third for billy edwards but again a great start to his campaign four touchdowns just just under 300 passing yards he was just solid and a lot of his critique right for the past few years is you know he needs to cut down some uh, on some of his mistakes and he really didn't make any glaring mistakes um, on Saturday again it is Towson but it's good to see Talia get off on the right note if you're a Maryland fan 100% I think he played about as well as you could ask given the opponent um, his throws were, were pretty accurate um, he had one of the better deep balls we've seen from him uh, since he's been at Maryland it was dropped but but a great deep ball down the middle of the field to Ty Felton uh, like you said, he was showing off his legs, which we'll get to why he was showing off his legs, maybe a little bit more than Maryland fans were hoping to see. But he showed his mobility, showed what makes Talia a good college quarterback, and that's the ability to extend plays. That's the arm talent. That's just the ability to command this Maryland offense. And now he's in year four. He's very comfortable in it. Josh Gaddis is a new offensive coordinator, but overall, it's kind of the same system. And I just think Talia, you know, looked about as good as as you could hope if you're a Maryland fan. Yeah. He seemed healthy. He took a couple shots, but you know he leaves healthy. That's what really is important for him. Um, and like you said, the four touchdowns, the passing yards. He he eclipsed eight thousand career yards um, on Saturday. Kind of speaks for itself. Um, really impressive performance from Talia. And I, um, and I know you oh, mentioned. Yeah, go ahead. No, I know you mentioned the health, and I think that's kind of the big picture when we talk about positives. It's not a set thing, but obviously to come out of your first game, you know, relatively healthy in all in all positions, I think that's a huge plus for Maryland, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were a couple injuries pregame uh, that we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, maybe we'll get to those later, but um, they didn't seem like anybody had to come out of the game due to injury. And in a season opening game where, you know, it, it could have gone, you know, there were a couple moments where maybe Towson was, was hanging around and Maryland wasn't pulling away, but the, the game was never really in doubt. Uh, Maryland kind of, took the charge early and was never yeah. really in jeopardy of losing that game. So in a game like that, I think the biggest positive is for sure uh, coming out healthy. Yeah. And I think we should transition to the next positive. Um, I think the biggest positive among Talia's targets, yes. that was Corey Deitches, tight end. 
wearing number two this year. Um, that was definitely a late change because we saw him practicing as early as last week wearing his number 84. But I guess with Jacob Copeland gone, they decided that the number two, he could have it. He said he wanted it. Um, and he looked great in it. He looked very comfortable in that number two jersey. And Talia looked very comfortable throwing in the ball. Um, he had 108 yards as a career high. He had, I believe, six receptions. He had a touchdown. Um, he was the best pass catcher on the field for Maryland on Saturday. Uh, you know, he showed why he has the potential to be one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten. And that's his athleticism. That's his ability to make such an impact in the receiving game that so few tight ends can. And I wrote about this in some takeaways that are published on testudotimes.com. That's where you can find all of our coverage of Maryland football in written form. And the comparison I wanted to make was that it reminds me a lot of Chiga Conquo, who was Maryland's tight end a couple of years ago, and now he's doing very well in the NFL, just in the sense that he has the size of a tight end, maybe a little bit smaller than, you know, some of the tight ends you might see around the conference that are, you know, these, these big blocking tight ends, but the ability for him to extend that passing game, kind of add an extra receiver element to it is so valuable. And that's exactly what Chig did in Talia's first couple of years. Yeah, no, and that was, you mentioned the size that when, uh, when we spoke in postgame, that was the first thing I noticed. I'm like, wow, you know, he, he really looks more like a wide receiver um, uh, than he does a tight end. But, you know, you mentioned it. He he thrived. He was Talia's clear number one target. It seems like he's the guy that that kind of, that Talia has the most chemistry with and he's the most com- comfortable with going in into the season. And I know we talked about earlier about Josh Gaddis and, and his new offense. And that was something that Dice just also mentioned to us, how he really thinks that he has a great spot to thrive in that in a pass-heavy offense like that. But, you know, just like you said, Corey Dice, he was the main guy uh, throughout career game for him, uh, passing yards-wise. I think that's something to be really excited uh, in the future see that he, he really has the potential to be one of the top, top tight ends in the Big Ten. Yeah, and with C.J. Dupree gone, you might have thought that Gaddis was going to use a lot of one tight end sets and he did as much as maybe you would expect, but he also wasn't afraid to throw two tight ends on the field. We'll see what happens as the season develops, but you know, Preston Howard was out there. Rico Walker got a surprising amount of snaps. I would say he was out there very frequently, you know, freshman um, out there seemingly has a big role in this offense. And then Dylan Wade gets in later in the game. Uh, Josh Gad is definitely not afraid to uh, to to show some of the guys on on the field in the first game. I tried. I know. I, I tried to ask uh, uh, Corey about you know kind of with with the pre gun. What what do you do you see the tight end setups kind of look like? You know, he didn't bite at the question, but he definitely you know he definitely did say how there's a lot of opportunities going to going to be given for all the tight ends as a whole, and that's something that we definitely saw on Saturday. Absolutely, Andrew. Uh, anything else that stood out to you as a on a positive note uh, for Maryland's performance? On a positive note for Maryland's performance. I think we, I think the quarterback play, you know, Daishis, I think the hot start, which kind of set the tempo of the game, I think were the three uh, key factors, I think were really beneficial to Saturday's victory. Absolutely. I'll flip to the other side of the ball just yeah. to, you know, recap that quickly. I mean, defense against an opponent like Towson, it's hard once again with every position we're saying this, but it's hard to take too much away because that offensive front is not going to be up to the level that Maryland's going to be facing. But I think it has to be a positive. The defense at least did its job. It never really looked like Towson was threatening of scoring a touchdown. They had two field goals. I think Maryland, you know, stats dating back to last season are a little bit questionable because they're completely different teams. But that's three straight games now that Maryland hasn't allowed a touchdown. That's Rutgers season finale last year and the bowl game against NC State, now against Towson to start the 2023 season. I think it just shows that Brian Williams has this defense rolling. You know, this defense looks... Like it should be as good as last year, maybe better. 
Um, Jaquan Shepard looked very comfortable out wide as a defensive back. The safeties, Bo Braid and Dante Trader, looked pretty solid. I think the defensive front, once again, against a subpar offensive line, was getting somewhat consistent pressure. Mobile yeah. quarterback was giving them a little bit of trouble, but for the most part, it looked like Tommy Akingbasote, um, Jordan Phillips, those guys were, were, were at least squeezing the pocket a little bit. Um, so I was very encouraged by what I saw from that Maryland defense. No, and I, I think I think what was a little, a little bit of a struggle, maybe I think you mentioned it with the mobile quarterback, they kind of did see the struggle with that, you know, kind of allowing plays to get to the outside. Nothing damaging, right? Put into perspective, Towson only crossed the 40-yard line once in the first half. But again, yeah, a really positive uh, start for the, for the defense as a whole. Yeah, and their tackling was very solid. Not a lot of missed tackles. Um, even when their quarterback, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but when Towson's quarterback would, would get outside, he... Uh, Seemed like he really had nowhere to go, and that that window would get sealed off pretty quickly. Uh Um, Those are the main positives. Like we said, health is the primary thing when you're thinking about positives for a game like that to start the season. Um, Nobody came out of the game injured as far as we know, and you get another week to help get some of those guys that that missed, you know, the first game with with injuries. You you get another chance to, you know, kind of reboot them for for week two. Um, Let's jump to the negatives. Andrew, what was the biggest negative that stood out to you? I think we probably agree on this. Well, bef- yeah, no, be- before you get into that, I think, you know, we talked about the positives and obviously the negatives are going to be much bigger talking points, right? In, in, in a game against an SES opponent like Taos. And I think you have to start off with the offensive line. It was not a strong suit uh, for the Turks uh, on Saturday, right? This was Talia Tagovailoa was getting hurried and pressured early and often. Um, it, they, they didn't look comfortable. Even Coach Loxley said we were substituting so many guys on the fly. We had eight, nine guys out there. It was just there's a lot of mishaps. Uh, nothing was steady as it should be against a team like Towson, and it's definitely concerning. Yeah, uh, I mean, opinion. if that's happening against Towson, you should probably be concerned about how that's going to fare against some of the teams on Maryland's schedule. I mean, I don't know, you know, Charlotte with their pass rush is really threatening and. You know, Virginia's pass rush looked all right against Tennessee, but it's nothing super special. But if you're looking down that schedule and, you know, these teams are going to give everyone trouble, but like if Towson can get pressure on Talia and Maryland's offensive line, which was missing Gottlieb Eze, which is, you know, uh, he's their starting right tackle when healthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he should be back, you would think soon. We don't have too much information on his injury, but, you know, it doesn't seem like it's super serious. When you think about like what Penn State could do with the linebackers they have, with Chop Robinson, with Abdul Carter, with the pass rush they have, sure. when you think about you know the guys that Ohio State has, Michigan. Once again, these are going to give everyone trouble. But like even like Illinois, Nebraska, like I would definitely worry about how Maryland's offensive line could hold up against those teams if this is what they're showing in Week One. I think the the other thing is that even coming to the season, I think you know we we wrote about this on over on the site of how the offensive line, what just looking on paper was the number one area of concern. And in week one, at least, that kind of came to fruition, which is you always hope that, you know, maybe you're wrong and the team kind of proved you wrong. They were able to improve during camp. It didn't look like that on initial viewing, but I guess things can change as comfort goes in, but not not a good start for the offensive front. Yeah, and, and just for anyone who didn't see, um, I believe the starting offensive line they came out with was DJ Glaze at left tackle, Corey Bullock at left guard. Uh, Mike Purcell wasn't there. It wasn't an early enrollee, so he wasn't in the spring game, but he was a starting center. He's a transfer from from Duke, but he never actually played for Duke. He's a transfer from Elon, very experienced. I believe he's a seventh-year college player. Um, and then you had Emilio Moran at right guard and walk-on Connor Fagan at right tackle, which is probably more of a 
you know, plug and play kind of guy until uh, Aidze is back. But, um, but yeah, certainly not a super promising performance for Maryland's offensive line when you take into account the opponent. Really just in general, like Talia, we know what he can do with his legs. And he showed off his legs uh, pretty frequently. He had a couple really nice scrambles, a couple, you know, nice plays extending the, you know, extending the pocket out, you know, towards the, the towards the sidelines there. And that, that's sometimes where he's at his best. But you don't want that to happen because the opponent makes you to. You want to design that kind of play. And it really just all starts up front with that team. You know, Maryland's running game was decent, um, but they didn't, they weren't able to really break off any big runs. Those holes weren't there. Like maybe we saw in some of the earlier games last year. Um, I would say that that's definitely the primary point of concern um, for Maryland coming out of week one, considering what they came into with expectations before the season. You know, like last year, I look at running backs as an example. Like we came into last year not totally sure what Maryland's running back room is going to look like and not necessarily think of it as a position of weakness, but just a position of question marks. And then early in the season became abundantly clear that was a strength, not a weakness. I think if nothing else, even if you can't take away a definitive conclusion from week one, you have to say that the questions have not been answered about Maryland's offensive line, and there's certainly some work to be done. What else? What I also think is really, really interesting, you mentioned it's the offensive line and running in general. I think do you have to think a little bit of that has to do with not wanting to run with kind of had to do with the game plan. You look at the first half, Maryland attempted 32 passes against Towson compared to only running the ball 13 times, you kind of feel like in a game against an FCS opponent, that number is kind of flipped as the game goes on. What were your thoughts on that? I was definitely surprised by that. I wonder maybe if that's a little bit of like not having 100% faith in your O-line and maybe thinking that the best way to move the balls through the air, mm -hmm. but it was a little bit surprising. Like you said, against a weaker opponent, you're generally having your biggest advantage in the trenches. So you would think that they would be able to move bodies. And another thing that stood out to me about that was that it seemed like early on they were giving Antoine Littleton the vast majority of the carries. They were, that, yeah. that kind of flipped later in the game. Like I think Roman Hemby might have actually finished with the most carries. But that certainly stood out to me as they were not, like you said, they were very pass-happy in that first half. And maybe that's a little bit of a look at, at what Gaddis is going to bring. Yeah, uh, Hemby finished the game with, with two more rushes, but uh, Littleton had one more uh, than him in the first half. Yeah, so, you know, those guys split time last year. That's not super surprising, but, um, you know, Ramon Brown didn't suit up either. Uh, maybe we'll see him get a little bit more involved as the season goes on. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's I think we, we hit on the offensive line there. Um, the only other thing that stood out to me as, you know, we're nitpicking here, right? This is a 32-point victory. This is a pretty convincing victory where, where the result was never in doubt. Um, the drops from the wide receivers were, you know, they left points on the table, I would say. Um, I mentioned the Ty Felton drop. That was, you know, you got to have that one. That is a perfectly placed ball from Talia. That is that is a touchdown if he catches that ball. He is completely behind the safety or the cornerback, whatever it was. Whoever the defensive back was guarding him, he had totally burned him, and Talia dropped the ball right in his hands. Couldn't come down with it. Caden um, Prather had a drop on, it was coming over the middle, um, probably like 20 yards downfield. Um, he made up for that because he, he scored a touchdown later on that drive. but. Um, but does that does that mean anything to you? Is there really anything to take away, you think, from from drops from wide receivers? Because that was certainly a problem at times last year. You know, Rakim Jarrett had a lot of drops. It, it started to become a little bit of an issue. I, th I I think what's bigger than drops, right? As going forward, it's more the drops in in the bigger moments, right? If you drop a ball, ball in first down, second down, whatever. But if you drop a ball in an 80-yard dime like Ty Felton did, 
I don't want to say it's concerning that that's just a lapse. It happens, but you just have to you just have to make sure as the games get bigger and the moments get bigger, you know, you have to clean up those mistakes. But I don't think it's I don't think it's something to take away right from this game personally. Yeah, my only real way to extrapolate it would be to say that those are the plays where you could see Maryland beating itself um, yeah, as opposed yeah. like opponent adjusted, whatever. Those are plays that should be made regardless of who you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, penalties were not an issue. That was one thing that was a big problem last year. They did not beat themselves with penalties. I believe Towson had far more penalty yards. Um, but yeah, the drops are certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, it feels like it's been forever since Maryland's this is a little bit of a tangent, but it feels like Maryland it's been forever since Maryland's hit a deep pass for a touchdown. It feels like everything's a bit methodical. Um, but we'll see what happens the rest of the season. Once again, you know, just to kind of recap, this is week one against Towson. You know, we're this is all really speculation. Who knows? Maybe they'll clean up all these these problems as the season goes on. Um, Andrew, do you have anything else before we we sign off for the week? Um, I don't know. I guess it's you know it's ex- it's exciting uh, that week one of college football is here. There were some great games uh, around the country. Um, definitely a lot of things to be excited about going forward. I'm certainly excited to keep doing this this show as we go on with the rest of the season and and see how Maryland football does. Uh, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism after week one. You start one to know. That's about all you can ask for. And we'll be coming to you later this week with a preview of the Charlotte game. That's Saturday night. That's the next game on the schedule. So we'll see you then. Thank you for listening.